This is Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Forget what you think you know about church. Good afternoon. Is anyone here a Canadian? If you're Canadian, you would know that tomorrow is Canadian Thanksgiving. In the States, we have Thanksgiving on November 28th this year. The Chinese had their Autumn Moon Festival a few weeks ago. The Koreans had their three-day harvest festival, Chusak, just a, a couple of weeks ago. And the Korean festival coincided with the Jewish Sukkot, or Festival of Booths. All of these are harvest and Thanksgiving festivals of sorts, although none are quite like the American version. Perhaps the closest is the Canadian celebration tomorrow, where many families will actually sit down to a turkey feast, complete with pumpkin pie, and they'll watch endless football. Even the countries that don't have Thanksgiving value thankfulness. Parents everywhere attempt to teach their children the value of gratitude. C is an infectious disease caused by a couple of bacteria. It affects the nerves and the skin. About 95% of us are naturally immune to the bacteria and the disease is easily treated in the modern world. But in the ancient world, it was devastating. Because it's infectious, if you started to show signs of the disease, you were expelled from the community. You had to leave your family and your friends to live in poverty in leper colonies on the edge of town. You were not allowed to approach healthy people. Not that healthy people wanted to be around you because you were often grossly disfigured during the advanced stages of leprosy. Luke 17, verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It is not clear what they wanted, perhaps a donation, most likely a healing touch. Somehow, from a distance, they had heard about Jesus and his miracles, so they are looking to get in on his action. But Jesus doesn't heal them right away. Verse 14, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. For a bill of clean health, you had to go show yourself to a priest who would officially recognize the healing. He was the community health officer, and once you got that recognition, you could return to your neighborhood, your family, your old job. You could get your life back. And as they went, verse 14, they were cleansed of their leprosy. That is, while they were on their way to see the priest, they were healed of their leprosy. Only as they stepped out in faith and followed Jesus' brief instructions, does the disfiguration begin to disappear, feeling returned to their fingers and their feet. You can imagine the swelling emotions and the joy. The father would once again be able to embrace his children. The farmer would be able to return to raising food for his family. The descendants of leprosy was reversed. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Over the years, we've had a little fun at times trying to figure out what happened to the other nine who didn't return to give thanks. I suspect that one ended up at the mall trying to figure out what he needed in order to return to fashionability. Another took his family for a weekend away up at the lake. One man was so jazzed about having feeling back in his legs, he went dancing. A single guy decided to make up for lost time and started calling all his old girlfriends. <laughs> and it was work 
convincing each of them that he didn't have some communicable disease. They had obviously heard otherwise and were at times a bit worried about themselves. You get the idea. They were enjoying their good fortune and looking forward to making up for lost time, lost from their families. And really, if you think about it, you can't blame them. But one man was different. His faith was different. He came back to Jesus shouting, praise the Lord. And Luke says that he fell at, at Jesus' feet in gratitude. This is the man that we usually hold up as an example, a model during our Thanksgiving celebrations, whether it be in Canada or the U.S. or wherever the gospel is preached. But I want to let you in on a, on a secret. When we preach about one, the one who returned, while nine didn't, we're not really telling you the whole story. I won't say that we're not telling you the truth. It is the truth. I mean, yes, this story is about thankfulness, something which everyone already assumed is important, but it is only indirectly and somewhat secondarily so. There's a little line in the story that we usually gloss over, but which makes the point that the gospel writer is trying to make. It's at the end of verse 16. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And here it is. This man was a Samaritan. Let me say it again. This man was a Samaritan. The story is not as much about the importance of being thankful as it is about who was thankful. You see, in the ancient Jewish worldview, the world in which Jesus functioned, there were two kinds of people. There were Jews, the children of Abraham and Moses, those who by birth inherited the benefits of the covenant. And then there was everyone else. And of the everyone else, of the everyone else, there were Samaritans. You see, the Samaritans had one time, at one time, been a part of the mainstream of Hebrew life. But then when the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC, they deported most of the people. Some, however, were able to stay, and they intermarried with some non-Hebrew people set up their own religious practices, including an alternative temple at Mount Gerizim, Gerizim, where the Jews of the south returned from their Babylonian exile. There was a uh, lot of tension between two groups, the Samaritans claiming to be the true descendants of Israel, even though they had married some pagan women. During the Roman era, there were about a million Samaritans living in the area just to the north of Jerusalem and Judea. By the way, today, there are about, only about 700 Samaritan descendants living in that same area. A first century Jew would have considered these people, these Samaritans, to be despicable unorthodox heretics, not even worthy of a conversation. And likewise, the Samaritans despised the Jews. It was not a pretty situation. So when Luke, the gospel writer, notes that the man who returned to Jesus to give thanks was a Samaritan, he is throwing a loaded statement into the conversation. He's attacking a whole set of social and religious assumptions. Then in verse 19, when Jesus says to the Samaritan, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Oh my, oh my. Talk about trouble. There are two kinds of people in the world. First century Jewish leaders would have said that there are Jews and non-Jews. Jews had the true faith and Samaritans were religious deviants. People, who, uh, with, people with messed up theology and bizarre religious practices. Thus, they were not Jews. They were outside. How is it then that Jesus tells a Samaritan, your faith has healed you? 
Luke echoing Jesus is saying that indeed there are two kinds of people in the world, except the normal labels are wrong. There are two kinds of people in the world, those who get it, I mean get it, I see, I mean Jesus, and those who don't. Ironically, in Jesus' ministry, it is the non-Jew who gets it, while the ancient Jews, in spite of their privilege and background, in spite of their blood connection to Jesus, don't get it. They don't respond in grateful faith. Foreigners, outsiders, getting it is a bit of a pattern in Luke's presentation of the gospel. Luke himself is a religious foreigner who has embraced Jesus. And according to chapter 1, he is writing his gospel to someone named Theophilus, a non-Jewish Greek name. Luke is very interested in this foreign, foreigner angle. In Luke 7, it's actually a Roman army officer, a member of the enemy occupying force who gets it. He asked Jesus to heal his slave, but then saying that he isn't worthy to receive Jesus in his home, he sends word to Jesus that he can heal him by distant command. Jesus says of the Roman officer, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. In Luke 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, it's a despised foreigner, once again a Samaritan, who acts more in accordance with the intentions of God's law, who gets it. Two Jewish leaders, on the other hand, who are acting in accordance with the cultural and religious practices of their time, people who needed to avoid defiling themselves through an encounter with human blood and possibly death, doing all the right things to uphold the rules, they don't get it. The surprise in the story is that it is a despised Samaritan with all of the wrong religious ideas and practices. Who does get it? It has become a real pattern in the Gospel accounts. Back to Luke 17, one of them, when he saw that he was he uh, healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at, at uh, Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal, heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, implying that the others were Jews? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Does that sound at all outrageous to you? If you had heard all your life that yours was the only true faithful way of serving God and that God had singled you and your people out for special privilege, if you considered that the only faith worth considering was uh, faith that kept all of the Jewish laws and rules, then comes Jesus, the one whom everyone seemed to think was the Jewish Messiah, the ultimate Jew on special assignment from God, who was going to save his people from their humiliation and this Jewish Messiah tells a Samaritan that his faith has healed him. It almost seems like Jesus is saying, uh, what Jesus, it, almost seems, it almost seems like Jesus is saying that the only thing that matters is if someone has faith in him and that all of the previous labels and categories are somehow irrelevant. This man was a Samaritan. As far as Jesus is concerned, it's not so much religio relig religiosity and background, but practiced faith in him, which counts. Before we continue, let me clarify a couple of things. When I say practiced faith, I'm referring to being Christ-like, following in his footsteps, the definition of being a Christian, whether you call, your, call, call, whether you label yourself as such or not. It is my understanding and belief uh, that it is how you live your life, not necessarily what you label yourself as, that matters in God's eyes. There are many who call themselves religious in so many different ways. Christian, Jewish, spiritual, Catholic, 
Baptist. And no matter what label they choose for themselves, if they aren't living a true and righteous life being Christ-like, whether they call it that or not, are not on that path that God created for them and are lying not only to those that make the proclamation of faith too, that they make the proclamation of faith too, but more importantly, they are lying to themselves. Actions speak louder than words. Non diligamus verbo nec lingua sedinopere et veritate. It's love. Not in word or speech, but in truth and action. I'm not suggesting that religious background is totally irrelevant or unimportant, but that when you cut to the chase, you get to the bottom line, it's about faith, trusting in Jesus, who was sent by God to heal the world. And more importantly, the how we apply uh, that faith into the actions we do. It's impossible to have a head full of good theology. Uh, it's possible to have a head full of good theology but lack faith. And likewise, it's possible to have a head full of faulty theology but still have faith. I'm not saying that theology is unimportant. As you get to know, as you get to know me, you figure out pretty quickly that I, I'm a theologian by call. I deal well in the world of ideas. Theology is important, but actual faith in Jesus, being Christian, being Christ-like, is more important. Even though poor theology can ultimately hinder faith, we are not saved by right doctrine or theology. For it is by grace that you are saved by faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8. And this is the good news. A lot of us have some pretty messed up theology or religion in our backgrounds. I keep running into people react, uh, react, uh, I keep running into people reacting against it all. People who say, you know, I, I'm not really religious, but I, I'm spiritual. And I appreciate the attempted authenticity in that. Others of us are living the modern equivalent of a leper's life. You have HIV, cancer, or you've let drugs and alcohol control your life. Maybe you don't have the right documents to be living here, and you're thinking that you're too much of a Samaritan for this Jesus stuff to really mean much for you. Hey, the good news is, in the story, excuse me, the good news in the story isn't that one, isn't that one leper returned to Jesus with grateful faith, but he, he was a Samaritan, an outsider. The guy voted by his class as least likely to succeed. He got it. You may or not be familiar with the church slogan, no perfect people allowed. What that means is that Samaritan lepers get it best. No pretense of being religiously correct or being able to score points with God. It doesn't work that way. I was reading this week about Jerry McCauley, who was born in Ireland in 1839. He was raised by his grandmother because his mother couldn't or wouldn't care for him. He was such a troublemaker as a kid that his grandmother eventually put him on a boat for the U.S. to live with relatives in New York City. You can imagine how well that worked. He ran away from home and survived by stealing. Eventually, he ended up in the infamous Sing Sing prison. Talk about immigration problems. Through an encounter with another uh, prisoner, he became interested in spiritual matters. And one night while he was in prison, he said that a supernatural presence appeared in his cell and a voice seemed to say, Son, your sins, which are many, are forgiven. I wish I could say that suddenly everything got better for Jerry McCauley. It didn't. It took time for McCauley to start uh, to live into his conversation, excuse me, to live into his conversion. Even after getting out of prison, he still drank too much, got into fights. But eventually, after numerous failures and lapses, the faith started to take hold in significant, in significant ways. 
He saved money, and on October the 8th, 1871, he opened the Water Street Mission in New York City, the first rescue mission in the U.S. Another impossibility, at least likely to succeed Samaritans, somehow got it. And he gratefully began to reach out to the other lepers who were living on the wild side. And that can happen to you if you return to Jesus and fall at his feet, feet in faith. I sometimes wonder what exactly happened to the leper in Luke 17. Luke says that Jesus sent him on his way. Stand up. You know, the word here is actually the same word uh, as translated elsewhere as resurrection. In other words, be resurrected and go. Your faith has healed you. But then we don't hear anything else of this man in the Bible. Now, I'm pretty sure, though, that his life was totally different from that point on. You see, his gratitude, his thankfulness was faith-driven. He had set out on a journey directed by Jesus. 90% of the people didn't get it. But 10%, one man, did. This man was a Samaritan. The fact of the matter is that most of us are more Samaritan than anything else. And while most of us are not literally lepers, we're in need of healing. So we join the leper chorus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Hey, you may feel like you're not the right kind of person, that you're not good enough, that you're not religious enough, that you're too Samaritan, too much of a foreigner, and that you're the outsider surrounded by all of these people who deserve the attention of the Messiah. That's okay. Ask anyway. Jesus didn't come for those who were healthy and who had it all together, but for those of us who are spiritual foreigners, for Samaritans. I love, I love the words of the Apostle Paul in, uh, in 1 Timothy. Uh, uh, one through, uh, chapter 1, verse 15 through 19. Here's a, word, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof, public sinner number one, of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy. And now he shows me off. Evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. This afternoon I want to invite you to begin to trust Jesus Christ and to receive his mercy, to begin the transformation journey, to begin the resurrection walk, regardless of how Samaritan you are. Although it's not time for Thanksgiving Day here in the United States, we need to remember that giving thanks for all of us, for all of the gifts we receive, should be an ongoing and daily practice. God's unconditional love for us is not limited to one day, one month, or even one year. It is given in his grace, and is ongoing, everlasting. So then should be our thankfulness, the ongoing and everlasting. Every day is Thanksgiving, even for the Samaritan. Amen. A bishop a day keeps the devil away. You're listening to Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Compliments, concerns, suggestions, or complaints. Have one of those? Very simply, send us an email, feedback at dallasulc.com. That's feedback at dallasulc.com. You know, you can make a difference. We're always looking for volunteers here at the church. Uh, simply go to uh, www.dallasulc.com slash volunteer. 
uh, or just sign up with me. I'm sure we can find some, some uh, very useful uh, ideas for you to volunteer here. So uh, again, if you'd like to volunteer, visit DallasVLC.com or just see me. Prayer requests, very simple. Prayer requests. If you have a prayer request, you'd like us to pray for something for something for you, for somebody else, just give us an email. Send us an email. Pray at dallasulc.com. That's pray at dallasulc.com. Um, this is also a place where you can discuss uh, 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 dedicating a service to a loved one, either one that has passed or one that is still here. Um, uh, just give us an email. The only thing we ask, we, the, the actual dedication of the service uh, to a loved one, it's really kind of cool. Um, uh, there'll be a short video if we can if we can collaborate and get one done. Uh, their name will be printed in the bulletin uh, along with the picture if possible, and uh, of course their name will be mentioned at the service. The only thing we ask from you is uh, you know a little bit of help getting all that information together, and uh, for you to uh, possibly make a small donation to cover the cost of the service. So pray at DallasULC.com. Knock knock knocking on heaven's door. Bishop a day keeps the devil away. Forget what you think you know about church. Okay. You know we had a podcast. Look, if you haven't checked out our podcast yet, please do so. Um, it's very simple to find it. All you have to do is go to your favorite browser and type in Your Path with Bishop Mark. That's Your Path with Bishop Mark. And uh, it should pull right up for you. It's, it's, you know, it's a little different listening to it on the podcast than it is anything else. Check it out. Let, me, let us know what you think. I mean, there's, there's great ways for you to get back with us. Feedback at DallasULC.com is one of those ways. Now, if you don't find it or you want a different way to find us online, you can always go to one of, our, uh, one of the providers who uh, hosts us on their site. Uh, that would be TuneIn, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Radio Public, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, and Stitcher. Okay. Once again, you can make a difference, and here's another way. Uh, you can donate. Uh, we are a church of uh, volunteers. None of us get a salary here. It's all volunteer. And then the only way we can stay alive is by you helping us out. Uh, one of the ways you do that is go to anchor.fm slash bishopwark slash support. That's where our podcast is hosted. It's one way to donate. You can always go to dallasulc.com. Uh, there's a giving page there uh, with all of the options on how to donate. Of course, if you happen to shop on Amazon, please always use smile.amazon.com. Make sure that you have Dallas Universal Life Church uh, listed as your uh, charity, and Amazon will donate half a cent for every dollar you spend. Well, that's it. That's all for the announcements today, folks.